Today's sermon is part four of a series that I've done since summer on the wisdom from above. This will be part four uh, for those in the podcast, listening on the podcast. The re- I was looking the last time I did this, and it was the first Saturday in October, and one, just so... You know, I apologize it took so long, but in the job I was in, the assignment through the agency I'm at, they uh, took a job that was I thought was data entry, but they liked my work and my attitude so much. They um, one of the key people had two weeks of vacation left, two and a half weeks before Christmas, and so I was um, substituting for her as well as doing my job. So I just had so much to do that I just couldn't handle more other than my daily chores. So before we deal with part four, which is um, on full of mercy and good fruits, I want to do a short little review. I recommend that people listen to the first three podcasts. I'll have uh, at least the dates when I gave them, if not the links, if you're on uh the website, you can go to links. Uh, if you're in, a, in an app, you'll have to scroll down to the date. So let me read, uh, Father, in Yeshua's name, we come to you and learn from you what it means to be wise in your eyes, not our eyes, and not be wise according to the ways of the world. In Yeshua's name, amen. I'll be reading from the Tree of Life version, uh, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, let him show his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and not hypocritical. So we'll talk about eventually full of mercy and good fruits. It won't be a long study. And the next sermon will be on impartial and not hypocritical to finish it. So one of the benefits of being off from giving uh, this series, I've had a chance to think about it, and I realize that a lot of people over the ages, the centuries, people in the body of Messiah, like Luther had problems with James because it seemed to him like he was in a give advocating a works righteousness system when in fact he's not. He's saying the same thing Yeshua said that if you're filled with the, if you're born again and filled with the Spirit of God, the Ruach Adonai, you're going to be changed, you're going to be wise you're going to be understanding, you're going to be spirit-filled, you're going to be obedient. Yeshua said that if in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So to James 
And to Yeshua, the proof in the pudding was not just what you say, but how you acted. And James is talking about the difference between the worldly wisdom, which a lot of believers were surrounded by, the Greek culture, the Roman culture. There's all this wisdom, as, you, as we see in the book of Acts, as we were studying with Rabbi Frank, that the people in Athens spent all their time discussing the latest wisdom and rage and thing, you know, kind of like what we go through with on the internet and newspapers. Everybody's discussing the latest thing. And James is making a difference. He's showing the difference that comes, the wisdom from God is different than the wisdom of the world. Wisdom is shown by deeds and actions. It is not enough to have mental wisdom, head knowledge, but to live a life based on godly wisdom. Having a life based on godly wisdom, the idea of a holy man, as you see in some of the cartoons and the idea of a holy man sitting on a mountaintop in a lotus position trying to empty his mind and spew out wisdom, so to speak, to others that will listen is not exactly a biblical model. The biblical model is to get involved in life. Read the Bible and show it by your life and deeds. That's what James, Jacob said, who's wise and understanding by his good conduct, let him show his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So wisdom from excuse me from God is not selfish. It's not jealous, boastful, contentious. That's actually probably more the definition of an anti-messiah, antichrist spirit. Godly wisdom is opposite to worldly wisdom, where the world is all about oneself, myself and me, or to use another word, me myself and I. Godly wisdom glorifies God gives glory to God, and blesses others. An example would be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, where Paul says, Shaul says, For you see your calling, brothers and sisters, that not many are wise according to human standards, not many are powerful, and not many are born well. Yet God chose the foolish things of the world so he might put to shame the wise, and God chose the weak things of the world, so he might put to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly and despised things of the world, the things that are as nothing, so he might bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human might boast before God. And that's a very important point. We have nothing to boast about, and God doesn't accept our boasting. But because of him, you are in Messiah, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and holiness and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in Adonai. So continuing in this short review, as we see, as I just quoted, godly wisdom does not necessarily seek out the rich and powerful, as Paul said, most of the people that showed up in the congregations he raised and discipled were not rich and powerful, but instead seeks out the unknown, the weak, and powerless. Consider this example, and this is something we need to remember in the media age that glorifies certain people, and we think it's all like that. 
But the fact is that most pastors, elders, deacons, evangelists, and missionaries are not well known. They're not known at all and will remain that way till they graduate to heaven. And most of them, a vast majority of them, are perfectly fine with that. And we need to let that sink in. The only person that knows them beyond their own flock is God himself, whom we will stand before and receive our rewards. We also see in the above scripture that Yeshua himself is the wisdom from God. He's not an idea of wisdom or a concept. Yeshua is wisdom itself. We have learned from God's point of view to trust in Yeshua is to walk in wisdom. We learn that we must reject the wisdom of this world. The starting point of wisdom is Proverbs 1, verse 17. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And in Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's why a lot of, we need to be careful on where we get our wisdom and knowledge from because there's a lot of people that don't fear the Lord. They're full of themselves. And so their wisdom becomes questionable sometimes, to say the least. We have learned that repentance is to show wisdom. To repent is to be wise, would be a better way to put it. And it should be shown by our life. Matthew 11, chapter 11, verses 18 and 19. For John came neither eating, neither eating nor drinking, and they say he is a demon. He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. So in other words, Yeshua is saying, as we'll see, it's the fruit. And so in the first, the second sermon, I talked about the wisdom of God is pure. Again, listen to the second sermon. It goes into greater detail. In Greek, the word pure is hagnos. It means free from ceremonial defilement. Also sacred, chaste, guiltless. Synonyms include winnowed and purged. So, so sometimes we have to be winnowed and purged to be pure. God's wisdom is already pure. So the question we ask ourselves is the wisdom you received or follow free from defilement? Is it holy and sacred or is it defiled with worldly wisdom and off-color humor? I keep hearing these famous, some famous pastors give off-color humor and I heard one recently, I won't mention this man's name, but he gave an off-color anti-Semitic joke. And it just blew me away. And then promptly humiliated a couple of people in the audience that were Jewish. I saw the video. I just was floored. Not wise. An example from Psalm 12, 7. The words of Adonai are pure words, like silver refined in an earthly crucible purified seven times. Think about how pure that is. You purify gold or silver in a crucible and the flames two or three times you think it's really pure with all the dross and impurities taken out. But scripture, Psalm 12, verse 7 says it's been purified seven times. So that's like pure beyond our wildest imagination. We can probably barely understand how pure God's wisdom is particularly when we're sinners 
and our mind is faulty. True godly wisdom is pure and it will affect our lives and the lives around us. Wisdom from God, and this is in verse uh, quickly from the third sermon, the wisdom from God is peaceable. It's peaceful. It loves loving peace, brings peace with it. It's gentle, it's seemly, it's fitting, it's equitable, it's fair, it's moderate, it's appropriate, it's appropriate, it's reasonable, ready to obey, compliant, easy to entreat, it's discussable. And when I mean discussable, I don't mean it's like compromise. I mean you it's you discuss it, you listen. And it's interesting, even with all that, it seems so gentle and peaceful. Every time you, many times Yeshua spoke and it made people really mad. So it shows there's something wrong with us, not anything wrong with Yeshua. So on to today's topic, the wisdom of God is full of mercy. Mercy in Greek is eleos, it's mercy, it's pity, it's compassion. So mercy is mostly in some translations used as mercy, sometimes as compassion. So compassion is like an action word. Uh, it's something that God reaches out. True godly wisdom is, as the scripture says, full of mercy and all of the good things that flow from living that way, full of compassion to others and to the poor, also to the poor in spirit. So mercy is like you reach out and show mercy. In Vine's Expository Dictionary, it states that mercy is an outward manifestation of pity. It assumes the person receiving the mercy needs it and the resources necessary to meet the need. Like I said, wisdom, mercy reaches out. It just doesn't sit there and talk. It does something. So mercy is an act of God, and peace is the result of man, the result in man, should be. And you'd think that grace and mercy are like the same thing, but actually in Scripture, they're generally listed separately, but they're two sides of the same coin. Mercy is God not punishing us as our sins deserve. So God made a decision not to punish us as our sins deserve. Grace carries the idea of compassion and kindness like mercy, but also carries the idea of bestowing a gift or favor. So God, in his grace, extends mercy to us. They sort of like the two sides of the same coin. They sort of both go in the same direction, in different directions, but they have the same starting place, which is God. So mercy can be thought of as a subset of grace. An example would be mercy as a deliverance from judgment and grace is extending a blessing to the unworthy. So deliverance from judgment is also grace and vice versa. So they're, they're separate but yet together. So grace and mercy go hand in hand in the scripture. Yeshua shows up, is born, and lives among us. It's an act of grace. He teaches us an act of grace. He dies on the cross, the tree. He rises from the dead, ascends into heaven, adopts us, fills us with his spirit, and seats us in heavenly places with the Messiah Yeshua. They're all acts of mercy and grace. 
He didn't have to. We deserved none of it. It was his pleasure to do so. As Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 4, but God was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. So as we see, our wisdom should reflect that. Our wisdom should be as Yeshua. I was listening to scriptures yesterday, and Yeshua, and I'm paraphrasing it because I didn't write it. I was going to write it down. But the parable of the, the unforgiving servant where the man had lifetimes of debt with the king and asked to forgiveness, and the king graciously gave it to him. And then the man turned around for a lot less and didn't forgive somebody. And so God is rich in mercy and because of the great love with which he loved us. So we need to realize that as God has been merciful to us, we need to be merciful to others. That doesn't mean that when God extends mercy and grace to us, that we excuse bad behavior. Because God, Yeshua extended a lot of grace and mercy, but also didn't tolerate a lot of bad behavior. And so we see that wisdom from God, besides being pure, peaceable, gentle, and compliant, is also full of mercy. Mercy to those that need it and are willing to repent, change their lives to receive it. Mercy from God is pure, it brings peace, is gentle, and is compliant. It's not selfish, argumentative, and violent. As I mentioned earlier, the wisdom of this world has the person on the mountaintop spewing out, if you excuse the word, worldly wisdom and other ideas, and people seeking that person to, his, to hear his ideas and wisdom. However, those only have temporary effects. Godly wisdom, on the other hand, doesn't just sit there and do nothing and speak. As I said earlier, godly wisdom extends mercy to others. It reaches out. It recognizes the depravity of man and his or her inability to fix himself or herself. Godly wisdom explains God's grace and shows God's mercy. Realizing we will not, also realizing we will not perfect the world until Yeshua returns and sets up his kingdom. So all you can do at least is say something. I forgot to ask Karen. In scripture it says, full of mercy and good fruit. Is that like uh, a sentence where full of refers to both parts of the sentence? Or it's just, you know, full of mercy and good fruit? Could that also be full of good fruit? both so yeah to those that didn't hear it I was I'm not a, a grammar but when I looked at that I remembered a little bit of my high school in most translations is full of mercy and good fruit and I realized that means it's not only full of mercy the wisdom from God but it's full of good fruit good agathos in Greek is agathos and it's good in a physical and moral sense for the person that comes in contact with it Fruit is carpos. It's like the fruit of trees, vines, fields, 
also metaphorically of works and deed. So fruit is made to be picked and eaten. So the Carpos. Carpos. So the question is, what is the biblical definition of fruit? In other words, who defines what fruit is? And as I look in Scripture, it's the Lord who defines what fruit is. And we talked about it in our study in Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, Yeshua having the final word on the fruit of each congregation. We have already defined the fact that our wisdom is to be displayed in our lives toward others and not hoarded, lest we come under judgment. The, an example would be the parable of the man that horns his harvest and yet is condemned by Yeshua. Let's look at a few scriptures. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Yohanan the Immerser says, Therefore produce fruit worthy of repentance. In this scripture, Yohanan the Immerser is stating that since God has granted us repentance, that we must have a life that produces fruit that can be shared with others and is worthy of that repentance. We must show we are wise by being repentant toward God and others. God is looking for that type of fruit in our lives and in our conversations. So godly wisdom has repentance in it and should we should be speaking fruit to others that is worthy of that repentance. Matthew chapter 7 verse 16 through 20 Yeshua says identifying the kind of fruit you will recognize them by their fruit. Grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles are they? Even so, every good tree produces good fruit, but the rotten tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. So then you will recognize them by their fruit. And in some ways, that's sort of what I'm seeing in the last couple years. One of the interesting side benefits of the last few years is I'm seeing people's, some ministries that prophesied unscriptural things or ministries are like falling apart and there's no fruit to them. And it's there for the whole world to see. Here we see Yeshua stating that he expects us to bear fruit to be shared and eaten by others. Here we see Yeshua asking us to be fruit inspectors. Is it based on scripture? Is it from God? Is it from Yeshua focused? Or is it man focused? Does it result in the peaceable fruit of God, the peaceable fruit of righteousness? Therefore, the wisdom we share with others must be biblically based because that is the fruit Yeshua is looking for, and he is the final and only judge on what is good fruit and what is bad fruit. And again, like I said earlier, the example is his letters through Yohanan to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3. Again, good fruit comes on a good tree. Bad fruit comes from a rotten tree. Trees with no fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. 
In John chapter 15, verse 2, it says, Every, to reiterate this thought, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he trims so that it may bear more fruit. So if there's no fruit, eventually the ministry can will disappear, certainly before God. And if you're bearing fruit, he'll strip it back so that you'll bear more fruit later. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, the continuing on this thought, Abide in me, and I will abide in you. The branch cannot itself produce fruit unless it abides in the vine. Likewise, you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Yeshua states that unless we abide in him, in his word, and in prayer, we will never produce the fruit that he approves us. Therefore, good fruit, the good fruit of wisdom, must be based on a relationship with Yeshua and his word. So in conclusion, what we're seeing is that wisdom from above is pure. It's not worldly. It's not defiled. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. In other words, you can discuss this with people. And it's full of mercy and grace. And it reaches out to people. And it's full of good fruit that Yeshua approves of. And that has to be our focus. In Yeshua's name, amen.